1: Hey everyone! Welcome to the Loki Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Pirrett. Uh This is episode 378, and I'm here with Tree and Lynn. Tree, Lynn, how's it going?
0: Good, John.
2: Good to be on.
1: All right. I was wondering who's going to chime in first. Uh, good job on that. I, I should have done better. I always mess that up. So that's on me. Um. Tree and Lynn, if y'all have been listening to the podcast and those listeners, if you have been listening as well, you know that we are running a special uh, through Crossway. Our friends at Crossway Books have been very gracious to partner with us and offer some discounts on selected titles. Uh, if uh, people go to crossway.org slash RYM40, you can get 40% off of Selected titles, there are some in the youth and family ministry categories, but then there are some outside of that. Um, I've got the, the list kind of looking at it. I mean, the Wisdom Pyramid, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, uh, Strange New World, both of those by Carl Truman. Um, there's several that are just, you know, outside of youth and family ministry. Um, but again, it's 40% off and uh, you get free shipping on an order of $30 or more. Uh, reminding our listeners that this is for about um, a couple more weeks I think so it's a limited time offer. Tree Lynn uh, have either one of you been able to look at this list? Um, Tree's pointing to Lynn so (laughs) (laughs) thanks thanks for helping my Lynn any, any titles that kind of jump out to you that have been helpful for you?
0: Yeah, there's a number of them that are in my library already, and a number that I'm excited to be able to get at a discount. But one of the ones I recommend um, most is Men and Women in the Church by Kevin DeYoung. When I was taking a seminary class and really trying to um, study, you know, as a woman in ministry, I get asked about what I think about women in ministry and leadership and things like that. And so his book um, was the easiest one to understand, but didn't water things down. It wasn't like, oh, this is like a delightful way to say these things, it's like, here's the truth, not necessarily 26 pages of history about where this came from, but here's the truth and here's enough um, scripture or uh, study to back it up. And I, his has been um, so easy to understand and really helpful, and for helpful for me understanding what the Bible really says about women in ministry.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny you're highlighting that because right now, um, our church is studying that book on Wednesday nights. Uh, the men's class is going through it, and then the the women's class is going through it, and then we're gonna have some times to come together as well. But yeah, but but I agree. It's um, and Kevin Young says that you know in the the beginning that he wanted a book that he could kind of put on the the book table at his church in the foyer that people wouldn't be intimidated by and would pick up. And and like you said, I mean, it can get technical in some places, but he's, he's very clear as well. Um, so yeah. That's a, that's a good, yeah, for sure. Uh, Tree, do you have any that you've looked at that kind of jump out to you?
2: Yeah. The, the first two that jumped out to me were 10 questions every teen should be able to ask about Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin and also her book confronting Christianity. We actually took, so my intern and I, uh, last, not this past summer, but the summer before, kind of took that book and just picked six questions from that book and just spent the summer unpacking those with our students. Uh, I was trying to find my copy of Confronting Christianity, but I can't, but I've got the, the other one, the, the, the teen one. So just questions like, how can I live my best life now? Isn't Christianity against diversity? Uh, can't we just be good without God? Hasn't science disproved Christianity? Um, uh, yeah, so th- these types of questions, there are students are facing in their schools, and we just thought it'd be a good idea to just kind of unpack that. The way we framed that that study was we were looking at those questions and we we're trying to figure out how can we equip our students to engage these types of questions in a very calm and non-confrontational way. So we kind of, we called it coffee and conversations because we wanted our students to be like, how can I have a conversation with somebody about these difficult topics in a a place where it's almost like I'm having coffee with somebody we're engaging with each other having a conversation it doesn't have to be this like super confrontational thing like in your face like you can actually just chat about it Uh, so we we found it was was really really fun so both of those books are excellent I really appreciate I'm really looking forward to I guess it's her new one confronting Jesus that I don't know if yeah I, I don't know how recent that one is I just saw it on the list so
1: yeah. And, um, yeah, our listeners will know Rebecca McLaughlin came on to talk about that book that you referenced, uh, 10 questions, Every you should ask and answer, but she'll be coming on in October to talk about confronting Jesus. Um, so we're excited about getting her on before too long. And, um, Tree, you kind of said this before, uh, pre-recording as well. Um, Michael Kruger's book, Surviving Religion 101, who also came on this podcast to talk about that. Um, that book is, is 40% off as well. And if people listening want to go ahead and get a jump on graduation gifts in May, uh, get on and get that for 40% off right now. Um, but again, there's 50 other titles. I mean, a lot of authors that are familiar, a lot of great books on here. Um, reminding everyone, it's crossway.org slash RYM40. Uh, to get 40% off and free shipping um, if you spend $30 or more. It'll only be running for the next couple of weeks, um, so be sure to to check that out. Um, Our listeners also know that we've been talking about insecurities of life and ministry in this middle segment, and we're excited that uh, Paul David Tripp will actually be sharing about insecurities of life and ministry. Um, He came on a few weeks ago to talk about who he was as a teenager, and now he's talking about Insecurities. Um, So, hope you enjoy that. We'll talk more later with Tree and Lynn.
3: Many people in ministry in early years, you have doubts of your gifts, you have fears about your, uh, with regard to your inadequacies or your abilities. And one of the things that has become very clear to me, and it's, it's, taught in a variety of ways in the Bible, that God doesn't call people because they're able, he calls people because he's able. And I just, don't, I just don't have any ministry fears anymore. It's not because I'm proud of myself. It's not because of my track record. It's not an overabundance of self-confidence because uh, I still need God's grace as much as I ever did. There's nothing I could ever teach or write about that, I don't need myself. I haven't arrived by any means, but I know that every call of God is accompanied by his grace. Everywhere he sends me is accompanied by his presence. And and so I know he is able, I know that although I'm a broken instrument, he's able to use this broken instrument and do uh, great things. And that, that really is what gets me up in the morning.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Now, ha- have you always had this assurance or was this something kind of slowly over time the Lord has, has taught you and brought you to this, this place?
3: I, I think that it, it, it came fairly early in ministry because I just was tired of living with the anxiety and, and trying try. try tired of being too conscious of people are responding to my teaching or responding to my leadership. And that's just so burdensome.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and, you know, in that game, if, if you're getting your uh, security from people in ministry, well, you got it at that event, but then you're going to wonder if you're going to get it the next time. It just never ends. It's, mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I began to run to the lord and realize that it's not what's in me it, that is the reason god's called me it's what's in him
1: mm-hmm. yeah, amen to that um to those in ministry that that are listening to this that, that hear you on okay you know not receiving our, our praise from um, our audience, uh, but they just can't silence those voices. What What's some counsel you would give, give to them?
3: You, you have to stop looking to something that won't give you what you're craving for. Uh, human security. It doesn't matter if you're a minister or not. Human security, human hope is never found in other human beings. Never. Whether that's, if if you're getting married in order to be happy, that'll never work. Because that broken human being you're married to has no ability to deliver true lasting happiness to you. Mm -hmm. And if your job is where you get identity, that can't work because that job can leave in a moment. Uh, And you could just name anything. And so what I want to say to people in ministry, but to everyone, don't look horizontally for what you're only ever going to get vertically.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Tree and Lynn again. Uh, That was Paul David Tripp. Uh, We're excited to have him share a little bit about insecurities of life and ministry. Um, Those who listen to the podcast know uh, several weeks ago, uh, Tree, I cannot remember which episode it was, but uh, you kind of shared the idea, the concept of, um, us sharing uh, testimonies of you know our life, and not just our testimony of sa- salvation and when we came to, to know the Lord, but talking about some of the difficult providences that the Lord brings about in our life. Um, and so, uh, Tree, you're helping us kick that off today by sharing one of those difficult providences in your life. Uh, Lynn is here as well, and we're going to be listening to Tree, but Lynn and I might be chiming in as well. Um, but Tree, why don't you go ahead and just get things started and, um, yeah, looking forward to talking more.
2: Yeah. So just to kind of tee up the story, I'm going to try and summarize the the intro to this. Uh, so I grew up in Charlotte, went to a very large PCA church there. Um, went to college in Charlotte, went to seminary in Charlotte, um, and worked, uh, ended up working on staff for the youth ministry that I grew up in at Christ covenant church. And just so y'all are aware for the sake of this story, I'm going to use one pseudonym for a particular student, just out of respect and uh, honor for the family. Uh, everybody else whose names that I use, I've gotten permission to. So just for that one student, I'm going to use a pseudonym. Um, but in 2008, the story really starts there. 2008, the the economy tanked, if you remember that, uh, which caused a lot of churches to kind of make some difficult decisions in regards to like summer trips and budgets. Uh, so the, the leadership of the church came to the youth staff and, and at this time they had this big vision for a local, regional, national and international trip that students would be a part of. So it was a big, big production of just sending students all over the world. Uh, But the leadership of the church approached the youth staff and said, we can't do this in the economy that we're in. You need to scrap everything and, and think differently. Uh, it was incredibly sad, but actually kind of gave birth to something that would become a, a staple ministry for the church. It's called Seek the City. So in 2009, the youth pastor and the staff brainstormed uh, this this uh, this idea of reaching the city of Charlotte. And it was based off of Jeremiah 29, 7, which says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray the Lord to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And what we did we we would spend months assembling teams training students putting them through a fairly grueling process of preparation we actually had them memorize uh, an evangelistic diagram uh, the bridge diagram we had them come they had to come and present it to a staff member Uh, we had required training attendance i remember actually having to turn away students because we we actually took it really really seriously and if they weren't taking it seriously if they weren't prepared then then we made a big deal about it because we we wanted people to be there to to serve and to share the gospel Uh, and the way that it was structured was all the students and the chaperones we would stay at the church like it was a missions trip they we had we would all sleep in the gym big partition down the middle guys on one side girls on the other on air mattresses meals were provided by church members each morning we would eat together and then we would go out in our teams throughout the city to serve at things like vacation bible camps and sports camps uh, supporting local ministries, doing work projects. We even had like a special needs uh, group that that we would meet with. Uh, and then we'd come back together at night for dinner, large group and some debrief with our teams. Uh, so here's really the crux of the story. Uh, it was June 21st, 2011. Seek the City was rocking and rolling. It was only Tuesday and we were all just flat out exhausted, good exhausted because we we'd been pouring out our hearts throughout the week and uh, the way that everything was set up, we would have our large group in the youth building, which is a little bit down the hill, and everybody slept up at the high school, so we would have to cross a street. Uh, it was a public street that connected two pretty busy roads, but uh, the police department had barricaded the two ends of that road, so uh, there really was no concern about vehicles coming coming through. So students would just kind of cross the street um, without really looking, kind of like at uh, Laguna Beach. They they don't they don't look when they're crossing the street at Laguna Beach either. Uh,
1: <laughs> we, we won't we won't get into that right now. <laughs> but
2: uh, but it was large group had just ended. It was getting dark Uh, you can kind of smell the the smell of rain coming in the air you know that smell that that you get right before it rains Mm -hmm. and i love rain so i was actually kind of looking forward to hunkering down and just like hearing the rain outside and um, left large group was walking up the hill across the street kind of thinking through the day and we were done for the evening so everyone was just kind of hanging around enjoying some downtime And I crossed the street and was uh, walking down the traffic loop uh, that was at the main entrance of the high school. I think it's actually a middle school now, but at the time it was the high school. Uh, And there was a group of students sitting there on the curb, just kind of enjoying being together. And they were sitting on the edge of the the curb, and there were a few students that were lying down on the asphalt. Uh, One of which, who, again, for the purposes of this story and out of respect, I'm simply going to call Eric i would gotten to know Eric a little bit that year because he was going on a, a, a special needs ministry trip for, with us later that summer. And I kind of chit chatted with them for a second uh, or two and then just kind of continued on. And as, as I was walking towards the main entrance of the building, it started to sprinkle a little bit. And, and as I was walking, I kind of stopped for a second. It was one of those moments where, where you're like, you you know, like you, you want to say something or do something, but you're so tired that you're just like, ah never mind. Um, and I kind of moved on uh, and. Minutes later, minutes later, I was inside and two students ran inside soaking wet and in a panic. And they said that there was an accident and someone was hit by a vehicle. So I ran outside and there was the scene. And what had had happened was one of our volunteers, uh, a blessed man who I had a ton of respect for, was trying to get one of the ATVs that we used to move our water coolers for the sports camps. He was trying to get it under a a covering out of the, the rain and he had come around The traffic loop and Eric was lying there on the ground, enjoying the light rain, enjoying the lightning lighting up the sky visibility was low and the vehicle ran over him Uh, at this point, it was a absolute torrential downpour. Uh, So I ran inside and uh, I was trying to do the best I could to help. Uh, so instinctively, I, I grabbed one of our senior high students and told him to come with me. Looking back, I'm like, I, I probably shouldn't have grabbed a student. I probably should have found a, another leader to help me. Uh, but we grabbed a couple of big trash bags and ran outside to cover up the guys that were doing CPR because it was raining so hard that you couldn't even see in front of you. And uh, We were just trying to keep these guys uh, dry as best as we could uh, so that they can focus just on doing CPR. So the driver of the ATV and one of our volunteers who was a doctor was there. Uh, and again I just remember it raining so hard that like you, you could barely see in front of you uh, so me and this student who I, I just want to say in the Lord's providence was probably one of our most uh, solid and mature students no student was ready to see what we were about to see but if it was anybody I'm glad it was him uh, so we stood over these guys trying to keep them dry so they could focus on what they were doing um, and we were just waiting for the ambulance to arrive and um if i could just just say this that the image of what i saw that night i'm not going to go into detail of of what i looked at but that image has emblazoned my mind even to this day Um, and that's something that i don't think i'll ever be able to get out of my mind just the 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 horror of of that Uh, so eric was pronounced dead on the way to the the hospital in the ambulance and to this day i can't even remember if we were able to get a hold of his parents before that happened Um, but we gathered in the gym and the senior pastor uh, gathered everybody up to announce that that he had passed. And I just remember the shrieking sounds of just pure sadness filled that gym. And I want to stop there and ask this question, and you guys can chime in. Uh, what is a youth pastor's biggest nightmare?
1: Oh, man. Um, true as you're saying that, I mean, one, um, I'm still reflecting on everything you're saying. Um, but, I mean, I can remember every single... Retreat conference we come back from and I'm in my car driving home and a prayer is thank you, Lord. We all made it back. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that youth pastors dread. Like, is it teaching heresy? (laughs) Is it sending a kid home (laughs) for bad behavior, leaving a student behind or just flat out losing a student somewhere? Um, None of those are good, but the biggest nightmare is to to lose a student to death. And that's what happened for us that night and uh, not just that but it was it was on our property so it was like really really real like it it hit home for for all of us so what we did was we we kind of just started calling parents and we, we sent everybody home um into this great unknown uh, my wonderful wife who loves me more than i deserve who at the time we were dating she was in england so i didn't really have anybody that i could unpack this with um because our, oh, <laughs> lim- our communication was limited, but she has been super in- incredibly supportive, um, especially around around that time. Uh, so
1: so tre- I, I, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm getting her up. So are you saying that night everyone went home and then did you go home alone?
2: Uh, well, at the time I was in seminary and living with my parents. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I did have people to unpack it with, but I would have really loved for my wife to have been there. Uh, but that's okay. She, she couldn't really just get on a plane and come back <laughs> that quickly. So, uh, but anyways, I, I digress. Um, so yeah, we, we sent everybody home and, uh, the staff got together the next day with the senior pastor just to be together. And like, there were so many questions that were going through our head. Like what happened, what happens now? Are we going to get sued? <laughs> are, are we all fired? Like what, what do we do? Um, and one question kept rearing its ugly, ugly head in my mind, that whole meeting, And one that still occasionally to this day still rears its ugly head. And I have to continually, continually fight this away. And if you remember earlier, I I said I paused and stopped. Well, Mm -hmm. what I was thinking to myself in that moment was I should probably tell him to get out of the street. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I know that in God's providence, like, I'm not like, I'm not, that's not my fault that he got hit. But you know, the, the shame of regret and just the the shame that I feel from that, it's it, it, it's real and it, it hurts and it's hard because uh, I, I should have said something, but I didn't. And, you know, again, in, in the Lord's providence, he's really helped me fight that and really given me a lot of grace and freedom from that. Um, but that's a question that, that I wrestle with often, and it, it's torment, right? Uh, spiritual warfare is really, really strong. So I've lived with that for a long time. And I really haven't shared that with a whole lot of people, um, but it's something that that uh, was weighing heavy for me quite a bit. So we took a short break and we decided that day that we were going to bring everybody back. We were going to finish the week uh, with heavy hearts, but even when we had heavy hearts, even though we were sad, we wanted to finish and serve uh, serve well. Um, John, this actually reminds me of something that we did when we were in Colorado. We talked about some verses. Um, it, this reminds me of one of my favorite Psalms. Uh, and it's Psalm 126, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing if she's with him. So we continued the, the work of seeking the welfare of the city of Charlotte. And again, it was a hard week, but we kind of wanted to finish and, and honor him and, and finish the work that we'd started. Um, so from there, I'm actually going to fast forward a little bit. Um, if you all have any questions, jump in. Um, But I'm going to fast forward a little bit because uh, there's another uh, related story, a different story, but a related one that kind of connects with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, for various reasons, I moved on from that church. Um, I transitioned to intern at a different church in Charlotte, smaller, uh, smaller church, smaller youth program, finished seminary, and I took my first call as a youth pastor. Uh, had some difficult years to kind of start my vocation john you were actually an instrumental part of that not the the difficult part but you were you were a good (laughs) friend uh, during that time a great encouragement to me um so i ended up transitioning into the church that i am now in Bryan, texas um really love being here it's uh, right up against college station where texas a&m university is so it's a fun place we really like living here i've been here since 2017 and we've really seen some awesome things happen with our youth program. It's steadily grown and grown, and, and we're not huge by any standards, but uh, the youth program, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, has really seen both spiritual and numerical growth. And things were kind of rocking and rolling, and we had uh, had hit a really good stride. And then what happened in 2020? <laughs> COVID came and, and brought everybody to a screeching halt. Uh, that's a part of everyone's story that I wish we could just erase uh, from memory. But we were forced to shut down like everybody else. Uh, kind of a funny side note when, uh, when everything was kind of unfolding with COVID, I was actually in South Carolina for a friend's wedding uh, and that, that poor couple had to keep changing their plans. Cause the government uh, just kept saying, you can't meet with this many people. Can't. So I think we were on our like third iteration of the the reception and the, the okay. wedding by the time the week ended. Um, and as coming back, my wife and I were driving cross country and we had just barely made it over the Louisiana, Texas border before they shut it down. Um, I think it was like within an hour or two after we had got back into Texas, they had closed the border. Um, so it, it was wild. Wow. And, and we were like, we don't know what to do at this point. We were like trying to figure out ministry wise, what are we to do? Um, while I was sitting in my friend's garage, uh, just kind of thinking about what to do. We ended up, uh, coming up with this idea to do a podcast type thing to make it available for students every night. Uh, and with Joe Deegan's permission, we we did the promised land Bible study uh, via podcasts. We'd do a song every Sunday. We'd have a guest come on to give thoughts and provide questions for students to do at home. Actually it turned out to be a really bright spot for me during COVID. It was a ton of fun to do. Uh, and shameless plug, Great. if you want to if you wanna listen to that, go to wym.sermon.net and you can scroll down and find that. Uh, again, Joe Deegan, has given us permission for that, and something cool. Like this, I know that I'm going on a little tangent here, but something really cool about that is, for some reason, the first episode of that has gotten so many plays, and I don't even know why. Like it's just the first episode uh, on Join story Banks has gotten over 117,000 listens. Uh, why? I don't know. <laughs> if you go listen, if if you go and look at any of our other stuff, it's like maybe 50 listens. But for some reason, everybody wants to go listen to this one. Uh, so thanks be to God for that. Um, Anyways, I digress. Uh, the, the point of me saying that is we, we were online for everything. Uh, full on online. We did the music podcast on Sundays. We did our large group, small groups on Zoom. And we all know how fun that was. Uh, participation started <laughs> off strong and then just slowly dropped and dropped to where we were having like maybe five students on Zoom on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Everybody was Zoom fatigue. Everybody was just over. Um, and here here's how the, the overlap of these two stories begins. So Our cultural circumstances back in 2008 had caused us to kind of rethink and bring things to a halt and rethink the way we did things. Uh, Same thing happened in 2020. You know, our cultural circumstances caused us to, we had to to rethink the way we did things. So um, that summer, all of our summer trips got canceled. We ended up doing a three-day beach trip instead. And and that was one of the most bizarre trips I've ever planned because like we were trying to figure out like, okay, how many people can we have in this house? Do we have to wear masks while we're driving? Uh, So bizarre. And, you know, it, it it worked, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, I think our students really loved it, but it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't the thing like it didn't feel right. Um, And we did some park nights where we could just be around each other and play cornhole and throw Frisbee, but our students desperately missed the community of Wednesday nights at the church. So we kind of made a decision. We were going to come back. We made the plan. We made the schedule. We were going to meet in the courtyard of our church. I brought a bunch of chairs out. We were going to spread them out. Super cautious. Uh, and man was was it awesome. Like that first night was like, we're back. <laughs> like we are back. Uh the weather was beautiful, like our courtyard was full of students desperate to be out of their houses and doing something in person. Mm-hmm. Large group was awesome. I finished the lesson and like there was a sunset right there and like a cool breeze was coming over. <laughs> like it was just like a perfect, perfect evening. And the angels just, began singing. Yeah, <laughs> the kids were just so glad and having fun with each other. Um and I started to clean up, so I was, I was gathering up the chairs and cleaning up, and then two students run up to me in a panic. They said that uh, another student was bleeding really bad, and part of me was thinking like, oh, it's probably just a scrape. Uh, it's, it's, he's probably fine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I had this vivid flashback to 2011 when two other students had run up to me. Mm-hmm.
1: So I run around
2: the corner, and I see one of my students, Austin, uh, lying in the grass in a pool of blood. Uh, so what, what had happened was they were playing tag and they're running around the back of the building. We have this gate that leads to the back side of our sanctuary. And uh, the kid who was being chased. It, they were just goofing off, having fun. He'd closed the gate behind him and it kind of like slammed shut and then swung back open. And as it swung back open, the, the latch on the gate went straight into this other kid's thigh. Mm. Um, and like, he kept running cause he didn't know like oh in, the adrenaline, gosh, the goodness. adrenaline was, was pumping and he didn't really know what had happened. And he just kind of kept rumbling, like running and stumbling, running and stumbling, um, and spare the graphic details, but like there's, there was blood everywhere. Uh, I had to get a pressure washer out the next day. Um,
1: oh but he kept gosh. running and running
2: and then he, he finally collapsed in the grass. Um,
1: Ugh.
2: and thankfully he collapsed in the grass and not on the, the asphalt. Um, but yeah, so that happened. And, and instinctively, and I'm so proud of him for doing this. The other kid immediately pulled out his phone and dialed 911. I'm so proud of that. Um, but there there's Austin on the ground. He's conscious, but not at the same time. So I run around the front of the building. I'm trying to get students to not go around the corner. Just try to like, you don't need to be here. Please. Right. Just go, go back out front. Um, and, uh, I found his dad, his dad's a prominent ER doctor in town. So he came around the corner and, uh, shout out to to mike mcdonald if he's listening to this mike w- was uh was a, was a bit impatient that night <laughs> and he really just was wanted to go home um so he kind of like slowly walked around the corner i'm like mike we we, we, we gotta go i mean come on um uh, and he just kind of strolls up and i'll like i don't i don't understand doctors like they're <laughs> a different breed <laughs> A different breed of human being he kind of just strolls up he leans down next to his son reaches his hands into the wound and stops the bleeding and i'm just like dang <laughs> i would be a, a nervous wreck
1: and i'm sure um, he was a nervous
2: wreck but he was trying trying to to do his best and, and is um, his
1: son conscious at this point or is he he was in he and was
2: out in and out like you can hear groans um he's still losing a lot of blood uh so i kind of knelt down and started praying the ambulance got there I ran out to direct them where we were. And then this is something that I will never forget. Like this is like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this right now. Uh, and there's a sermon illustration in here somewhere, uh, but I don't, I don't know when and where to use it. Uh, but it's a comment that pierced me to my core and it, it causes me just such emotion when I think about it. So the paramedics, they walk up and they said, sir, we need to take over. And again, he, he's a prominent ER doc in town. One of the best, like everybody knows him. And without hesitation, he said, my name is Mike McDonald, and this is my son. Mm-hmm. As if he was saying, there's no way I'm moving my fingers right now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, all right, <laughs> we got you. Sir. Uh, so so oh, let, me, uh, let me wipe those tears away real quick. Um, so he, he stayed there. He worked with the paramedics. They got him on the ambulance, and it drove off. Uh, so- most of the students at this point had gone home. There were a few left, and we were all just kind of soaking it in, wondering if he was going to make it. And uh, as the ambulance pulled away, you know what What question came to my mind? What's a youth pastor's greatest nightmare? Is it teaching heresy? Is it having to send a kid home for bad behavior? No, it's losing a student to death, and I was about to experience that for a second time. Uh, in reality, I was in 2020, but my mind was in 2011, and I stood there. The, just thinking I was staring off into the, the sunset, just saying, I'm done. Like I I'm either fired or I'm resigning. I can't do this anymore. Mm. Um, just so much, so much was going into that, that moment that just, I, I was just emotionally, physically, and mentally just done. Yeah, Drained. Um, and that ugly reminder of not telling Eric to get off the sidewalk, turned into why didn't you stop these kids from goofing around? Like mm-hmm. you could have prevented this um so my wonderful wife who had heard what had happened she drove up and i remember this so vividly and this has meant so much to me uh so much more than she'll ever know she just ran up put her hands on my face and said you were okay um i really appreciated that uh so shortly after that and by god's grace i got the phone call austin had lost a ton of blood but he was stable he was being taken care of he was going into surgery and uh That expectation that I had in my mind of that gymnasium full of just shrieking and crying, it actually turned into this, Lord, thank you so much for your mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was God doing in all that? Like looking back on that story and I'm kind of unpacking it and just talking to some of the people uh, recently that were, were there that night. Going back to 2008, that vision of having all those different facets of youth trips going on and having it all go away. Um, We had, before that happened, we had 75 students signed up to, to go all over the world for youth trips, and then it just got taken away from us. But because of that, in God's providence, something amazing was born, and we had 135 sign up for the first year, Seek the City. We had 185 the next year. In 2011, we had 232, so the impact of this ministry kept growing and growing. And even just looking back on the Lord's providence over how that came about, when the church leadership came and said that we had to rethink what we did, now I say we I wasn't on staff at this time, but I'm, I'm going to keep saying we just because it, it feels sure. right. uh, it would have been easy to be frustrated and bitter. But the youth ministry looked at the church leadership, the session and said, as much as this hurts, we're going to submit to our elders, we're going to submit to their leadership. And talking with our youth pastor, Chris Decker, he actually looks at that submission as a, a way that God blessed the church. It, again, it would have been easy to be bitter. It would have been easy to be frustrated. But that that listening to the authority of the men that have been put over us, and saying we're gonna we're gonna do our best to run with this, uh, really God really blessed that, um, and and really grew that ministry. And even to this day, I believe that ministry is still going on. I think it has a different name, but it, but it's still still happening. And yeah, we did get sued. That was hard. And it would have been easy to throw in the towel on Seek the City. But again, it just kept growing. In the next year. We only saw two less students sign up so 232 signed up the next year um and in in uh, god's grace what we did after that trip so there were several students that were eyewitnesses to that first accident Um, we really surrounded those families with care and shepherding and we got them counseling um, constant follow-up. I mean, we provided six weeks worth of counseling for all those families and did a lot of hard work caring for people. And I, we really do think that that actually went a long way with regaining trust and, and regaining um, regaining some of those families that were, were impacted as we walked alongside them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of throwing out different, different pieces of God's providence here. Mm-hmm. So stop me if, if you need me to, but that student who helped me hold those trash bags over the first responders, I thought I'd scarred him for life, (laughs) Uh, but thank God he's actually working for a ministry in Memphis that's using uh, like a kingdom-based mindset to transform poverty and and equipping churches to help with that. So Mm. Bryce, shout out to you. Keep up the good work. Uh, I don't know where those other 231 students are today. I'm sure Mm -hmm. many are walking with the Lord and many that aren't, Uh, but I do know this. There were some students there uh, that evening who are in ministry today because they know God's sovereignty, and praise be to God for that. Uh, I know there were many there that were shaken in their faith that night, um, but they were strengthened through that experience and praise be to God for that. Um, and some really, really awesome, cool little tidbits about God's providence in this story is if we if we flash forward to 2020, I didn't share this earlier on purpose because I wanted it to be kind of a uh, part of the, the conclusion here. Austin's dad, that ER doc, he was supposed to be in the hospital that night, but in God's grace, he had the evening off. And there he was plugging a wound that stopped the bleeding of his son. Mm. Uh, and again, in God's grace, it, we we thought it was his, his uh, femoral artery, but it turned out that it wasn't. Um, so again, praise be to God for that. Mm. And here's, I think, one of the coolest parts about that story. So Mike McDonald, prominent ER doc, had some frustrations with the hospital system. They did not have blood on site in the hospitals for a long time. Uh, frustrating circumstances where they they didn't have the the proper equipment to store it. So they were constantly having to farm out blood whenever they needed it. Um, And he was instrumental in getting them the equipment and the blood on site. So here he is in an ambulance on the way to a hospital and he's about to receive blood in which he fought for uh, in the Mm -hmm. hospital system. Uh, So, man, did God use that amazingly. That other student who called 911, so proud of him. I don't know the impact that that night's going to have for him in the years to come, but I hope and pray that it'll be a testament to God's care Uh, and God's almighty providence and all and his amazing sense of humor. Uh, We come back the next week. And can you guess what our topic for that evening was? (laughs) It was the sovereignty (laughs) of God. Uh, We've been going through this series, looking at the lies that Satan tells us and the lie that we were covering the very next week was God's not sovereign over everything. And I just remember that entire lesson as we were standing outside where we were the week before, and I was almost chuckling the entire lesson, um, because our main point for that evening was God promises us in his scriptures that he is sovereign and nothing is beyond his knowledge and control and care. And what did he do? A week before, he showed us that. Hmm. Actually, Austin was sitting right there listening to this lesson. He was it was a testament. Ah. He was a testament to that knowledge and control and care. Um, so God really, really did some amazing things that night. Um, and spoiler alert, I didn't resign, I didn't get fired. (laughs) I'm still here. Uh, Austin's an active part of our youth group. Thanks be to God for that. Uh, that boy has actually almost died twice in the past couple years. He had this freak brain infection in 2018 that almost took his life, and he he has a Mm. huge scar on the side of his head. Uh, So, I really just hope and pray and uh, just ask the Lord to, to keep growing him in his faith. Um, but God's got a, a great story to weave for all of us. Uh, unfortunately, Eric's story here on earth is done. Um, but when I think about his story, I think about the way that the Chronicles of Narnia end. And I, I, always, I always laugh when I use a Chronicles of Narnia illustration because I always feel like I'm forcing it because I actually haven't read it. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: but the way that the Chronicles of, of Narnia oh, end, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm working <laughs> on it. Uh, it says, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover page and the title page. Now at last, they're beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever. Every chapter is better than the one before. And my everlasting hope is because Eric's faith was in Christ, a resurrected Jesus. He's living out that story right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that—that that is just such a testament of, God's faithfulness to him. I mean, again, I don't know. I didn't know him well, but I did know him well enough to know that he loved Christ and loved Jesus. Uh, for Austin, I've had the honor and privilege of kind of seeing him grow into a very responsible young man. Still got a long way to go, but he's, he is doing great. Uh, he's grown so much over the past years, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of that story. And as for me, I still love what I do. These two events have events have shaped me so much, and I think about them often. But by the grace of God, I think about them less and less with negative memories and more and more through the lens of God's sovereignty. Yeah, personally. So yeah. that's 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 my story. Um, you know, I I don't think I've ever unpacked it or or spoken of it in as much detail as I just did. So thank y'all for for giving me the opportunity to do so. Well,
1: thank you, Tree. Um, I'm gonna yeah. mute
2: myself and blow my
1: nose. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for for sharing that. And um, you know, I mean this is Obviously incredibly um sobering to hear it. Um Lynn and I, as we're sitting here doing this, I think we can tell the listeners, uh Tree's been using a t-shirt as a clean- <laughs> um, and An RYM T shirt. <laughs> um so it's kinda a little comical at times um to just cause you couldn't find any Kleenex. And so to see you uh, get a t-shirt out <laughs> um has added a little bit this, of levity. This is what this is what I think of RYM. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just kidding.
1: No, no. Look, but but seriously, I don't I don't want to make light of what what you just shared. I mean, amazing uh, to hear and it's like I'm just trying to process this. Um I know we don't have a ton of time left. I, I am just curious. Um you know, the, the the nightmare of a youth worker has happened to you twice. Um why haven't you resigned? What what is it that keeps you coming back to do it?
2: Well, uh is, is it a cop out to say the sovereignty of God? Uh, <laughs> I don't think um, it is. You know, I, I think that's
0: the only reason you get into youth ministry, right? Is because, yeah. <laughs> because of the sovereignty of God. <laughs> true, yeah.
2: true. That's the only thing that's going to get me out. Too. Um, yeah. No, I think I think reflecting on that night, like I mean, in the moment, everybody goes DEFCON one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody. Like, hopefully, that doesn't happen to anybody else. Uh, but for me, when I was sitting there. Like and, and we, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like he was in the, in the ambulance and we were just waiting. Um, I think just in that moment, just, I'm just playing through the scenarios and I'm just, I'm living in that moment and not, not looking past that. So the more, I the more I like sat down and thought about it, the more I was like, that's, that, it's ridiculous for me to resign. Like there, there's, there, <laughs> I really have no reason to, um, God's got me here for a reason uh, God, God had this happen for a reason. So, uh, why haven't I resigned? Because I I still love, love the work and still love, love my students and love the the families. And, uh, yeah.
0: Well, praise the Lamb, Tree, because I mean, it would be so easy for Satan to keep whispering that lie into your Mm -hmm. ear to the, to the point that you do leave Mm -hmm. and you do something else and you just kind of Like, you know, shun this or, you know, toss aside this call that is on your life of God wanting you to be in ministry and Satan just says, no, like you can be afraid that this is going to happen again. Right. Or like, of course you're not like, yes, this is your fault that this happened. You need to get out of this, you know, or whatever lie that he whispers to all of us that without inviting the Holy spirit or good community, like mm-hmm. your wife. And I'm sure, like you said, the t- church supported you well in that praise mm-hmm. the lamb um, without the, those voices being louder. It's so easy to give into mm-hmm. that lie of, okay, like I should be doing something else because mm-hmm. I'm not good at this. I'm not called whatever. Um,
2: yeah. so. I think just the the support of that, the one family here, yeah. like they were, I mean, obviously they were scared, right. But their, their commitment to, our youth group and their their commitment to seeing their kids grow like has not been shaken one bit. um You know, I, I think it it'd be easy to be like, oh, well, shoot, we almost had a our son die. Like, let's let's not send them to youth group as much anymore. uh But right. they have been fully commitment committed and fully supportive and like. And again, I know they were probably a nervous wreck when that was happening, but they like at least from an outside perspective, they were so chill while it was happening that like it it kind of just. It, it helped, it helped me to calm down. Cause I was, I, th- I remember talking to the mom on the phone being like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, what are you sorry for? This is an accident. Like, so yeah.
0: Praise the lamb. None yeah. of those are like normal, worldly, you know, rightful, uh, like responses. Right. Yeah. Like, of course, like as of now that I have children, I'm like, what did- are you, are you kidding? You know, I would, I hope that I can, well, I hope that doesn't happen, but I mean, <laughs> I do have a son, so like a, I like, I just hope I can respond with that kind of grace of, oh, this mm. isn't, yeah, this isn't where we're going to get stuck in this area right here, right? Like mm-hmm. there's healing to be had and that's where yeah. we're going to move forward to not this like, who's to blame here? <laughs> like,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. Um yeah. gosh, well, that's wild. Genesis three is to blame. We live in a sinful mm-hmm. world that, that's yes. affected by my sins.
1: Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. And no, that that is awesome to hear that mother's testimony of just how she's ministering to you in that moment, um, man. Um, Tree, look, thank you for for just this. I mean, again, this was your idea to kind of think through. Okay, how could we share testimonies um, how the Lord's worked in people's lives through through difficulty? Um, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, this is a vulnerable thing for you to do yeah
2: and and to to any other guests that may come on and do this sorry I, I started us off with such a bang hope I'm looking forward to hearing hear another story because i and, and hopefully you know tragedy doesn't have to be the the source of every story, but I know we all go through difficult things and I just love hearing how people kind of wrestle through those. So I'm looking forward to hearing. Some Absolutely.
1: And it's, it's awesome to hear the, the other side of it and how we, we know repeatedly throughout scripture, repeatedly throughout, you know, human history, uh, the Lord takes brokenness and, and makes beauty out of it. And, um, that, that was definitely this story was testimony to that. And so Trey, thank you for, for sharing Lynn. Thank you for, for being a part of it.
0: Yeah, of
2: course.
1: Yeah, and thank just, you, Tree, for
0: trusting us with that. That's yeah. Um, how long did it take for you to get into a place where you could share this?
2: Um, you know the the staff of that. The, so the youth staff. I want to give a huge shout out to the youth staff of Christ Covenant, um, especially at that time. We had we we had a good group that really held each other up, really prayed for one another, really cared for one another, um, and we had time to kind of unpack it then. But really, like. In this much detail i've i have not thought about this in this much detail even even since it happened so uh, yeah this is, this is kind of a good good way for me to kind of unpack that so i appreciate it yeah,
0: yeah thanks for doing that with us i hope it, it's part of more healing for yep. you um and other yeah. people who you know, might have, isn't God gives like God's sovereignty is all over the place, right? Like my mm-hmm. friend was telling me the other week, he was like, I've been praying recently that God wouldn't give me a reason to see his sovereignty <laughs> like, because <laughs> things have just been so like, okay, like I just, oh, I, you know, and, but God's sovereignty is everywhere. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful. Um, yeah. That you had eyes to see that. Cause it's so easy to to keep our eyes down and Mm not, and just think this is the worst life is life sucks. And that's what all it is. Not God Mm -hmm. is doing something here. Let's look for that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to discuss so much more to react to. I mean, tree, I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Um, and so I know there's more I want to talk to you about and, um, hope it's been, uh, kind of, as, as Lynn was saying, healing for you. And I hope that there are many listeners out there who hear this and are, are ministered to by it. So, Tree, thanks again.
3: Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay.